Our first scripture reading this, this morning is from Psalm 118. And then we'll turn to Mark chapter 11. But firstly, Psalm 118, we'll read the whole psalm. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look on triumph in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely. But he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected, this has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now let us turn to Luke Sorry, Mark, chapter 11, and we'll read the first 11 verses. 
Mark 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I would, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 118 <clears throat> this morning in conjunction with what we've read in uh, Mark 11. Our text for this morning is, is from Mark 11. It's that entrance of Jesus, verses 9 and 10. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's a citation from Psalm 118, which is uh, verse 25. Save us, we pray, O Lord. That's what Hosanna means. And this is what they were shouting as well. But this morning we're going to be looking particularly at, at verses 19 through 21 as they unfold for us the teaching of Mark 11 as well. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this word of truth. We're thankful that it endures forever. We're thankful that this is the foundation of our salvation, that it is based on truth. It is your word that you've given to us. As we hear it this morning, help us to find comfort, joy, and salvation in the work of Jesus Christ as it's revealed to us here in your word. Bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we look at these events this morning, we're, we're considering how Jesus arrives in, in triumph. Seems like every week in the papers or, or on the news media, there's a headline about the royal family and, and what's going on with them. Well, this morning, uh, we're looking at a, a headline event in the family of Jesus, in the family of God. A royal event, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is, is a momentous event. It, it would be a, a headline event for those around. It was something that was, was prophesied in Zechariah 9, 
It was something that was prophesied in Psalm 118. And that's what we'll be considering this morning. As the, the, thro- the, the crowds thronged to assemble and to, to sing the praises. A triumphal entry of Jesus. And, and as we reflect on that as well, it's, it's a, a bit of a victory march before even the, the battle has begun. And were it not for the work of the Lord and were it not for the prophecies of God's word and was it not for the anticipation that Jesus knows his power and his authority, he has the authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. This would be the height of pride and presumption. But this is not the manner of Jesus as he approaches Jerusalem with this victory entrance, with this triumphal approach. In fact, Zechariah 9 tells us he actually approaches with humility, with humility as he rides on the colt, the foal of a donkey. As we consider uh, this triumphal entry, there's three verses, verses 19 through 21, which set out three truths that, that I would like to consider as we reflect on Jesus' arrival. Listen to these verses. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Those three truths that I would like to focus from these verses are righteousness. It's spoken of as the gates of righteousness. Salvation. Verse 21. By this entrance, Jesus is become, has become my salvation and thanksgiving. The king arrives in triumph. And his triumph is the triumph of righteousness, of salvation, and of thanksgiving. First of all, the triumph of righteousness. Righteousness is, is determined in our relationship with God. It's determined by God's standard, by God's law that he's revealed to us. It's doing what is right, but it's also being right. That we have to have a heart that is right, and right in its relationship with God. But it also has to do right. It's determined, righteousness is determined not by by comparison with others. Righteousness is determined by by God's word, by his revelation, by God's will. And righteousness is to be judged by God alone. It is his stamp of righteousness that we need to recognize. And now as Jesus rides on this donkey, he is approaching what uh, Psalm 8. 118 identifies as the gates of righteousness. Of course, the gates of righteousness would be the gates of the temple. And like a king rallying his people and urging them forward, he identifies this place of advance where he is taking his victory march. These are the gates of righteousness. And he says, I must enter through them. Well, to do that, you have to be righteous. And that's what Jesus was. And his being as the Son of God, and in his doing, everything he did measured up to God's standard of righteousness. And it's as though he's approaching, he says, I must go forward obedient to my Father's pure plan, according to my Father's standard. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. I must go through this place. 
Everything is coming to pass according to that, that righteous design, that righteous plan of the Lord. Verse 20 says, this is the gate of the Lord. This is the gate of the covenant of God. This is the, the entrance into his presence. The righteous shall enter through it. And this righteousness is shown in the, in the praise of the people. Blessed, they say, and they shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, what a blessing it is to have one who comes in the name of the Lord because that name of the Lord is righteous. And that is, that is how, how Jesus approaches into Jerusalem. And those who were shouting were, were lifting up their voices in Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How happy they are to shout and to sing when it suits them. Yes, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of all, go on your way, they're saying. And yet there's something disastrous in this. When it appears as Jesus comes to fulfill their desires and their longing and their looking for this, this new Messiah, the, the Son of David, to come and kick the Romans out, yes, they find him acceptable. Yes, they will, they will line the streets and throw down their, their cloaks and wave their branches and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And yet we need to recognize that the righteousness that Jesus fulfills, the right purpose, the right plan, the right design, the goal that he has in this entrance it's not only to gather the people, but to show them the character of true righteousness, of the Father's design. For you see, people of God, righteousness and our understanding of being right with God is not determined by what we want, but by the Father's will. Your righteousness needs to come under the scrutiny, under the insight and review of the Father in heaven. Righteousness is judged according to God's word, his design. You see, it's the Lord's gate that Jesus enters, not the people's. That's why as we close our text. He entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. He went into the temple and, and he observed something. Jesus observes that the gate of righteousness, the gate of the Lord is actually closed to the people of God. He is the only one who can advance through it. How heartbreaking his observation must have been. Luke records that when Jesus went into the temple, he actually weeps because he realizes that the gate of righteousness is closed. That the people are shut out to the gospel. 
This isn't a danger simply for the Jews. This is a danger for you, people of God. This is a danger for all of us. We close the gate of righteousness when we lose our focus and lose our awareness and appreciation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That gate is shut when it's... When it, we allow our traditions and the way we've always done things to crowd out the gospel and keep us away from Jesus Christ. We close the gate or we allow it to be shut when, when the pursuit of, of worship is our own will or our own wants or our own desires rather than what God wants. Rather than look upon the Savior and who He is and what He has done and to appreciate God's will. Here is the King. Like a stone cut by the Father. Shown to the people in all the sacrifices and ceremonies of the law. Here is the king who would, who would be center and the central focus of the temple. But what does Psalm 118 tell us? This cornerstone, this king would be despised. The stone that the builders rejected. The stone that would be despised. And this crowd which shouts Hosanna, blessed will soon shout, away with him, cursed, because he doesn't do what we want. And Jesus goes to the temple and he says, those gates of righteousness are shut. Only he could advance in righteousness. And that's what he does. From the acquiring of the colt to the praise of the people, we must see that the king is advancing for his triumph, for the triumph of God's righteousness, which is a gift, a gift to all who believe in Jesus Christ. Reckoned and accounted righteous by faith alone in this king. That is the manner in which the gate is opened. And this is the triumphal entry. It's a triumphal entry of righteousness. And in this advance of righteousness, secondly, is the triumph of salvation. The people cry out, Hosanna, which is save now, or save, we pray, O Lord, give us success. Christ advances to the gates of righteousness to secure their Salvation, the salvation for his people, the salvation for his elect, those whom God has appointed him to represent from all eternity. He is the king who comes in peace. And he is the come king who comes for his people. He comes in peace, not to judge, but to save. And he comes not only in peace, he comes to be our isn't it amazing? Christ comes and he, he approaches in a peaceful way. He is the peacemaker, the go-between. The go-between between an offending sinner and an offending God. But not only is he the peacemaker, he recognizes he's going forward as the peace offering. The peace offering. 
He is a king who comes in peace and he comes to be our peace. To be the one who would perfectly, righteously, purely offer himself as the sacrifice for our sins. He must advance because he has come not only in the triumph of righteousness, he's come in the triumph of salvation to be the Savior and to be the salvation. He would be just and the justifier of all who have faith in him. Pure, but punished and killed like the most foul sinner. Hung to die on the cross, not only by man and the greatest miscarriage of justice, but condemned and cursed by his father. And the peacemaker becomes the peace offering. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in my eyes. Listen to the words of the psalmist. In Psalm 118, verse 21, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The king advances to become our salvation. Something more richly implied here than him just being a savior. Oh, that's wonderfully rich in and of itself. He is the savior of all sinners. But he is the salvation. Jesus isn't only a picture of salvation. He is salvation. That's why the gospel isn't just about Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. That God sent his son. God sent his king in your place to cause this advance. To be our salvation. And Christianity is about believing the truth of the gospel, but believing the person of the gospel as well. And it's knowing Jesus and all that he is and all that he has done. He's the one who comes as the substitute for his people, as the king, as the one who is the head of the covenant of grace to secure the life of all those whom he represents. Here is the king, like David, establishing his spiritual kingdom through his death on the cross. And we are like his children, like Solomon, enjoying all the fruits of his labor because the peacemaker has secured our peace by being the peace offering. The wonder of this magnificent gift is this is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's accomplishment, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So there's a triumph of righteousness. There's a triumph of salvation. Lastly, there's a triumph of thanksgiving. Psalm 118 resounds with that note of praise. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me. 
God's people resound with gratitude. What is your calling in light of this king who has come with the advance of, of righteousness, with the advance of salvation? It is the advance of thanksgiving. Give thanks. And yet, and yet, we hold back, don't we? We know what is looming for Jesus. We know that these cries of blessing will become curses of spite. We know that the week of passion follows this glorious entrance and all the suffering, the suffering of the pains of hell itself that he must endure upon the cross. Is it right to say thank you with all that looming? And all that, God, that Christ has to endure? Is gratitude the right prescription for this day of the triumphal entry? Shouldn't the disparity between, between the, the shouts of praise and the, the curses of, of judgment hold us back? God says no. No, come with gratitude to appreciate the wonder of God's provision. This is the will of the Lord, that we would look upon this one who will be crucified, who comes in this victory march even before the battle has been engaged. And God says to you, people of God, give thanks. Gratitude is the appropriate response joy and gladness, blessing and honor to the one who is coming in this victory march, though he will be so sorely abused. Yet this is our salvation and give thanks. Verse 24 of Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. He is the one who has prescribed this day and appointed this day for his king to enter into Jerusalem. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the triumph that gratitude can have in our lives. Listen, Psalm 20, 118, verses 28 and 29. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, indeed, he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And you know what happens when, when that gratitude takes hold of our hearts and, and we give thanks and, and rejoice in the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ and his approach to the gates of righteousness to be the salvation. Gratitude is one of those heart responses which will strengthen us and help us to know the grace in the midst of suffering. That's where the psalmist started in verse 5. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph 
on those who hate me. Yes, gratitude. Gratitude for Christ's victory, for Christ's triumph, for Christ's work and accomplishment in the midst of suffering allows us to have the veil of grace, the light of the gospel, shine in our darkest days. Because Christ came. And he, even he was girded up in gratitude that he could do and be the Father's will in the suffering that he needed to endure. As we know Christ, we will love him, we will serve him, we will rejoice in his righteousness, we will see him as our salvation, and we will celebrate his triumph. The psalmist starts this way, that was our call to worship, wasn't it? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Every individual of God's people is summoned. Let Israel say. Let the house of Aaron say. Let those who fear the Lord say. His steadfast love endures forever. And this victory of gratitude for the salvation and righteousness secured through Jesus Christ will show in our lives as we know Christ and serve and honor him. And that triumph which he began so long ago on Palm Sunday, will continue among us as we approach and say, save, O Lord, we pray. Give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what we're here to worship. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Let the blessing of his triumphal entry flow over into your gratitude in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.